Welcome, everyone, to the Mongols podcast. I'm Kevin. With me is Steve. Uh, it is August 14th, Monday. The Hounds just won on the weekend after a late, late start. Or not a late start, let's be honest. <laughs> and and things are growing great. We're top of the East, two wins on the bounce, and uh, we're going to break it down for you. Let's go! Steve doing the let's go justice. Uh, I, I was very happy and welcome to like move past it. Uh, but Steve's like, no, we should do it. We should do it. So uh, I, I feel like it. it's a little, it's a little homage. That's, that's a generous word uh, to Mike when he's not here. Um, we we could have got away with not doing it if we lost, but there's more reason to do it. Oh yeah. After, you know. Well, and I mean, since uh, what was it? You'd, didn't have power last week and yeah. uh, Josh was out and nobody else was on. So, or Mike was, I don't remember what the situation was, but say? it would have been one person, I think. Yeah. 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 So a non one person podcast. So, you know, it's been a little while. Gotta, gotta give the fans what they expect. Yeah, of course. Uh, and already speaking of giving the fans what they expect, I don't know what that is, but oh, uh, <laughs> hey, you're welcome, Mark. It was great to meet you guys in the parking lot. So, yeah, no, no, there's I I was uh, throwing out my last beer that I was drinking at the tailgate, um, and overheard this group talking about how they were going to manage three beverages between four people, and I was like, "Do you need another one? I've got another one in the car. I'll grab it, walk back to them." I was like, "They said they listened to the podcasts." I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." So okay, so that's that's me, like. Glad Spread you listen to the podcast. Like, if you didn't, I was going to tell you to listen to the podcast. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> cool. Well, I guess it'd be before maybe getting into the tailgate stuff, yeah, just quickly uh, catching up. I mean, Steve, you kind of alluded to it. Um, power went out last week for me. Couldn't mm-hmm. couldn't be around to record. We ended up getting a tornado like through in the area, uh, which and it ended up being like three or four miles away from like our apartment. Okay. Um, okay. everything's fine. We're, we're good. Sure. Um, everyone I know, I mean, I, I know a couple people who are like, you know, dealing with like, you know, home damage and everything mm-hmm. like that. But, um, it just goes, I mean, like I, a couple years ago, I, we reached out to our apartment complex. We we're like, Hey, what do we do if there's like a tornado? Like, what's the plan? And they're like, ah, we don't get tornadoes here. <laughs> and, <laughs> it's like, and there was no plan. So, you know, it's, I don't know, man. So, yeah. In retrospect, right? Like you feel like three, four miles away. It's like, oh yeah, no, that was never going to hit us at that point. But in the moment, it's like, you know, there's there's a tornado that is three miles away. If that comes this way, what yeah. does that mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and we have like no plan. So right, yeah, right. I mean, when I was back in grad school in central Indiana, I mean, flat as can be. And if there was tornado weather, it was like, you have to pay attention. Like, yeah. I mean- not that it happened as much there as it does farther west in the plains, but definitely something to think about and freaking scary. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Steve, so, how how uh, how's it been going for you these past couple of weeks? Uh, pretty good. Um, uh, Saturday was um, like a great morning. Um, so Venture Outdoors, it's the company that does the, uh, the kayak rentals uh, on the Allegheny and at North Park. 
um, they sell their used kayaks. Um, and so I got a tandem kayak, 380 bucks. Um, uh, and at first, like I was like, Oh, 380 bucks for a tandem kayak. That's a decent deal. And then like a friend of mine was like, Oh no, it actually comes with a paddle and, uh, uh, life vest. I was like, Oh, great. Like even better, less expenses. Right. Um, show up to get it. And it comes with two paddles and two life vests. Um, the life vests are brand new. They've still got the tags on them. So I get home and so I'm trying to figure out like, okay, like these seem like just pretty entry level life vests, blah, blah, blah. Like I grab them to, to take a look and try to like do some research and look at the tag and realize, oh, there's still a price tag on it. $90 life vests each, right? So two $90 life vests in that 380 bucks, right? Like I'm thrilled. Like it's great. I can't wait to take it out. Um, I'm hoping maybe if I can, uh, don't tell my boss, uh, um, get out there on Thursday, I might take it out, um, to Raccoon Creek. Um, and then got some plans with a friend on Saturday for Brady's run, uh, to, to, to take it out. So, um, I think the absurd thing about getting into kayaking, um, with my own is it also cost me $90 to buy Rory, his life vest mm. so that he can go kayaking with me. Yeah. And I'm like, it's half the size of mine. He's a dog. Why is it so expensive? But you're going to pay it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. pay it So that he goes with me. I'm really like, I really think he's not going to like it. He is a dog that does not like water much. Mm. Uh, he, I mean, he's three years old this month. Um, he's, he's a great dog. Um, but what, about a week ago, he had an accident in the middle of the night. Um, cause he couldn't make it through the night because mm -hmm. he wouldn't go out in the backyard and go to the bathroom because it was raining so hard and he didn't want to get wet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to try to take this dog kayaking and see how he does. I don't know how it's going to work, Steve, but <laughs> <laughs> he's in the boat until he yeah. jumps out. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it so, works well. How are, uh, I mean, other than uh, last week, no power. How have you been since? Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been pretty uh, standard. Um, just kind of catching up on some pre honeymoon trip things. Riley and I are going to Italy in about a month. Um, so it's about yeah. time you do that. I know. Yeah. Three, <laughs> three years late, three years delayed honeymoon. Uh, we got married during, uh, you know, July, 2020 and COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, we wanted to make sure we can go at a time <clears throat> at a time where we weren't going to be like too concerned with like, you know, COVID restrictions mm -hmm. or getting stuck in a country or something, but yeah. And now it's finally that time. So uh, we're just gearing up for it, but uh, it's been it's pretty quiet and up until that point and then it'll, it'll be fun. But, yeah. But yeah, doing good. Great. But let's, Great. uh, yeah, we've got soccer to talk about. Let's jump. Yeah. We have, we have uh, a lot. I mean, I, I was going through, um, I know Mike created a, a draft for us to kind of read off mm -hmm. of an agenda. I was going through and making some like notes of my own and, um, I, I I was like, all right, uh, a couple lines of notes here or whatever. And I just kept going, kept going, kept going. So yeah, there's a lot of talking points to get through. Um, I don't know how long I want to talk about the the Tampa game. Uh, I mean, I, last week, what, 10 days ago or something. Um, but we did play Tampa. Mm -hmm. Big game at home. Mm -hmm. um, beat them 1-0. Uh, at the time, you know, going into it, right, we had the... Um, we had the 4-2 win uh, mm -hmm. the week before that felt like a turning point after a little bit yeah. of a slip uh, over, over two games. So the Tampa game was big. We come in, we win 1-0. Uh, 
Um, I don't remember a ton of this game, Steve. So I don't know if you remember. I mean, so, so yeah, no. So I, I was there for that game. Um, I mean, obviously the Rowdies are a really good team. Um, despite the fact that they've had transition with their coach. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's like, like points I mean, back from us still with two games in hand. So yeah, I mean, right. Right. I mean, going into that game, I mean, I was looking at that game and uh, one of the guys from uh, RLBR Sports reached out to, to Josh and asked if uh, somebody wanted to, to do some stuff. So I wrote uh, like second half of their article uh, for them that they published. Um, and I think what well, we've got OC this weekend yeah. and or this Wednesday, this, week, Wednesday, this yeah. Wednesday. And I think Justin is joining their podcast. If he hasn't already, I don't know what the timing on was on that because they jumped on. Oh yeah. We'd love to have somebody too. Um, so like I spent a lot of time really thinking about this game um, and was like, Ooh man, like the Rowdies are a good team. But as I went through like what to expect from the hounds, right? Like giving other teams uh, a view of, of what they should be watching for with the hounds Um had a lot of confidence in what the hounds could do, but knew that the rowdies were just as capable. Um, and I don't like, despite a one Oh scoreline, I don't think it was a close game at all. Um, I mean, the hounds got the goal. They had a few other chances. Tampa. Sure. They, they were good when they had the ball in uh, the defensive third at times they were good pushing through midfield, but when they got into the attacking third, I felt like every single thing that they did, the hounds just snuffed out and shut them down the entire night. And I don't like seeing a one Oh score line uh, going into the 70th, 80th minute of a game, but that was one of those games where I'm like, it's going to take something really special. And we've rarely seen really special things from the opponents this season. Um, and, and that's not and, like, and like full confidence with the yeah. hounds to hold a one Oh lead. Um, not unlike past seasons where we can talk about this being Lily ball where you win one Oh, but like York hanging on in the yeah. past for the last 10 minutes of the game. I didn't feel like that at all in, in the Tampa game. And I just thought it was, I mean, an excellent performance by the hounds. And, and it wasn't a given going into that game that we were going to be defensively strong. Right. right? I mean, before right. that game in the last, the three previous games, we had let up what a total of eight goals. Yeah. Um, right. And so what, and two of those games were at home, at least two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was defensively going into this. It was not a foregone conclusion that we were going to be strong defensively against one of the best teams in the East. Um, and yeah, by all accounts, we, you know, put in a, a, a really good performance. I do remember really liking Deco and showing me both starting the mm-hmm. game up top. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, I'm going to, I'm putting my foot in my mouth right now, but like, I can't remember how many times that's happened this season? I know I remember mm. early on showing me coming in as a sub and them linking up pretty mm-hmm. well, and then Deco gets injured and showing me has to come in and step in. But it's it's in recent memory, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, but I thought they played well. I thought they linked up well, and I think they have a pretty nice connection. Yeah, well, I mean, now you got me wondering how many times have they actually even started together? Is mm-hmm. I want to say they've started together before, but without going back and looking game by game, I can't be sure because I feel like Shawumi started to get some more time when Kizza wasn't doing as well. Um, but then Deco got his injury. Um, I mean, even, and, and so looking back, like 
when were they and how many times has Lily chosen two forwards in a match? I feel like that's a more recent evolution without looking back. Yeah. I know it's happened throughout the season, but I, I feel like the predominance was a single striker um, and then putting putting more midfielders in uh, after the beginning of the season. Um, so, I mean, no, I mean, I, I, I think it was it was great. Um, I like what I've seen from Shulmi the past few games, um, even though he didn't get another goal at Tampa. I think his presence on the field was really helpful. Um, I, but I, I also think one of the things that I think is really important in that game is um, unlike the first Charleston game at Highmark, um, where the Hounds eventually got a second goal, but Charleston was putting pressure on the Hounds. And uh, I mean, we had to do a huge defensive performance in that Charleston game to keep the ball out of the net. Whereas I don't feel like the Rowdies game, even though it was another early game or early goal game, that there was ever much of a chance for Tampa to really put uh, the keeper, put the center backs in trouble right on the goal line. Yeah. Yeah. While you were talking there, I went back and, and looked at like recent starting lineups going back like a month or so. And Lily has deployed a two striker system a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's never been with shown me and Dequa. Um, it's been a combination of Keza and Aubergine Jr. and and, mm-hmm. and all that. So, yeah, I mean, what, and, and I think Shonmi actually is the one who sets up Dequa um, for Dequa's goal in that game too. Oh, but, it um, was, I mean, because I talked to him afterwards, and, I mean, the pass that he put through, I mean, control, it started with a uh, Ordonez, I mean, just pinpoint pass to, to Tola. And Tola controls it, finds a small gap. I mean, very little room to get that ball through right to the feet of Dequa, who just buried it in the back of the net. Um, One of probably the top few team goals, I think, of the season. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, and and I think it was beautiful. And in in a in a season where I have been pretty critical about our offensive attacking options, kind of everything relying on Dequa. I'm getting a little more confidence now mm-hmm. where, okay, showing me still not putting up numbers, but he's not getting worse. Mm-hmm. And I, I think showing me is clearly improving over the course of the season. Um, you know, Kiza comes in and puts in a pretty good performance in this mm-hmm. next uh, game that we'll talk about here. Um, and I don't know, I've liked what I've seen a lot from Aubergeon coming in and, and playing pretty well. So while things, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we're moving in the right direction for, for yeah. adding options. And, and I think the other thing is, so, I mean, if we look back at the Memphis game in the first half, um, talking to coach after the game, he was pretty frustrated with the center forwards and there were two center forwards. It was, I think it was Aubergeon and, and was it Aubergeon and Sh- Shwomi, yeah, it was, it was over on Shwomi um, for not moving around. And I think in the Tampa game and in this past weekend's game, you saw a lot more movement when they didn't have the ball at their feet to pull defenders wide. And that's why the opportunities in those two games existed. Um, so, I'm, I'm, I mean, knowing Bob, uh, if he's expressing something after the game, he's also expressing that pretty strongly to the players yeah. and it got through and, and they started making those movements and he made some changes in each of those games and with selection and tried some different things and, you know, two games in a row. 
So let's, unless you have anything else to talk about in the Tampa game, let's move on and talk about uh, this past weekend. Hartford um, kicks us off a little what bit late. A little that? bit late. <laughs> a little bit late. How ended up, I mean, what? It ends up being, what? Starts at around 10, right? I, I think the official kickoff time that the team published was officially 10.06. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Late. I mean, late, late game. Um, <laughs> that's late. I tried um, to get down to the tailgate before like the rain got a little bit, or was expected to get a little bit worse. Um, so I got down there a little early, um, walked into the stadium, like right at seven, walked right up to the media booth. Um, and we're just sitting there watching nothing. Right. Like, what do you do for three hours? Uh, I went home at eight o'clock. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I can't, because I was like, I, I knew I wasn't going to stay for post game. Um, I was also pretty tired that night. I had hiked seven miles on Friday and it was still, I'm still feeling it. Um, and at that point I knew that kickoff was at the earliest nine ten, yeah. And I was like, that's putting me not getting home till like a quarter to midnight. I don't think I, like, I don't think I want to do that. Yeah. Um, so came home. Um, I mean, in our Slack, if you saw Liz was, uh, joking about, uh, leaving early and I was like, I was right behind her. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like saw her turn into their, up their road to go up the hill. Right. Like on, <laughs> on 65, like that's how close I was. Um, I was not far behind and I don't regret it because you know what? I was able to fall asleep before midnight that night. Yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah. Kind of, you know, no judgment. You got to do what you got to do. People, yeah. uh, Got respect for the people who stayed in the stadium, though. I mean, there was a decent. And I feel like, I mean, you couldn't see the grandstand, but um, the few shots that you could see some of the grandstand, it yeah. seemed like there were there was a pretty yeah. good density, at least low in the grandstand. Um, well, the hounds have a full Steel Army section, but a compact and and noticeable yeah. Steel Army sections. So, well, but that, the Hounds yeah. have something cooking this year, so uh, that's that's why people want to stay around and and catch the. Uh, well, and, and I think, I mean, the thing that's even more impressive to me is knowing that there was going to be some inclement weather, knowing yeah. that there was a possibility of a delay. Um, the people that walked through the gate, maybe they left. A lot of them did. But there were still 4,600 and something people that walked through the gate that night. Um that would have never happened, I think, in, in seasons past, that 4,600 people are going to say, no, I'm going to try to go to this game, even with really crappy weather. Yeah. Let me let me get out some uh, some milestones um, along the way. Uh, um, Mike uh, made some notes here. A um, couple I knew off the top of my head. Couple. Oh, Kev, Kev, I just want to say, like, you could have totally taken credit for that, and you uh, gave Mike the credit. <laughs> what can I say? Um so Lily gets his uh, 100th win for the Hounds. I mean, big, big milestone. Mm -hmm. um, at some point, I don't. Now's not the time, but it's reflection on what Lily has done for the club and, mm -hmm. and the success that he's had here is is pretty immense. Um, Danny Rivera gets his 100th match for the Hounds. Mm -hmm. uh, Dequa with his goal on the night uh, is two goals back in the Golden Boot race. Um, there's a couple more points here, I, Steve. I, maybe you can interpret them. I don't fully understand them. So wait, wait is two shut two shutouts back on the most shutouts in the league. So I don't know. Maybe he's if, two more shutouts think, and he's tied with the league leader. Yeah, I think that's what 
that's what Mike was was trying to say. Yeah. Um, and the and last the team one leads what? with twelve uh, because Luis Mudio, I think, what he had three in his four games, mm. right? And so, um, which leads me to believe Wait has nine, and whoever has eleven, like whoever has the lead, has eleven. Yeah. And the last, the last kind of milestone here is Kenny is two uh, assists back on the most assists in the league. Um, so once again, I kind of interpret that as two more assists for Kenny, and he's tied for for most assists this right. season, which is to me kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and we can we can get into and to talk about Kenny's performance here in a second. I want to get to this comment. I'm comment happy. Um, so there was a comment from Kevin on YouTube. Kevin, admittedly, you, you kind of freaked me out for a second because I was like, wait a minute, like, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, but Kevin, uh, with a comment on YouTube said we had a good crowd for the hour. Uh, I was surprised our family stuck it out. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, on, on, on stream and on the highlights, uh, I was talking to Steve before too. Yeah, I mean, I caught a bit of it of the beginning of the game. Uh, didn't stay up for, for the entirety of it, but I mean, it came through on on the stream. There was a good a good mm-hmm. support there, given the context of the evening and uh, and uh, the people who stuck it out ends up ends up getting to appreciate a, a two no hounds win. Um, so, Steve, let's get into the the details of the game. Um, it's a fun game. Yeah. Uh, so, the, just generally the overarching highlights: Dequa gets. A goal in the 16th minute, um, beautiful, just rifle, bottom left corner, really well struck. And then Oberjohn Jr. gets uh, a 42nd minute penalty, um, a penalty that he wins, I believe, yep. um, at the edge of the box, and then uh, scores a penalty against his uh, former club, decides mm-hmm. to celebrate, which, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, they, they're talking, <laughs> he's not celebrating. I, I mean, he celebrated. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like he didn't. He didn't like go up to them and like run up to the Steel Army and like make a big deal about it. But he went back to the crowd of players and like, I mean, he was not shy about like yeah, like like getting happy about it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I was surprised he stepped up to take the penalty kick. Um, Me but, too. Me too. I, I mean, I, I, although I don't know off the top of my with, head who else takes it. I mean, but yeah. I, I mean, Dequa. You would think. I just. Right? I guess I don't really. I. I don't remember a ton of penalties, like this team gets. And so, well, in my head, I think, think Kenny. Like, but Kenny's what wasn't on the field. He at was that in the point? eighteen, but not in in yeah. the starting eleven. Right. And yeah. and so right. Like so, I'm expecting Kenny to take them. Then I'm expecting Dequa to take them. Yeah. Um, last year. Uh, Russ and Alex took some penalty kicks. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with it because he buried it convincingly, right? Well, he buried it. I don't know. In my opinion, (laughs) I don't think it was the greatest taken pen. I think uh, if if the keeper guesses the right way, I think it's at a pretty savable height. Um, Oh, I I mean, sure. But but it wasn't a a soft rolling ball. I mean, he picked his side. He went with where he went, and he just rifled the ball into the back of the net could yeah. his placement have been a little farther closer to the post sure but it wasn't it he didn't look unconfident and i think yeah. that's that's a big part of taking a penalty you know For if sure. the keeper guesses the right way and at, especially at the usl level like sure you guess the right way and you're a decent keeper you're going to save some penalty kicks yeah um but I, I, I was pleased with it he and i feel like it was because he won the 
the foul that yeah. that's why there wasn't any sort of like discussion. Right. It, it seemed like, I mean, I didn't see anything on the feed, but it seemed like it was just like, he stepped right up. Mm-hmm. I'm sure him and Dequa talked about it and Dequa was like, Hey, you want it, you take it kind right. of thing. Um, we got, we got a lesson uh, recently and, and penalties from what the Australia France women's world cup um, semifinal that or the one that went to like 20 or something like that penalty kick. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. I, what, yeah. As a side comment, as a digression, the women's world cup, you know, heating up what, but in the semifinals now, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, that's a good competition. Well, so what was it? Uh, the last winner to get eliminated was Japan, which means the teams left are all non-winners. So somebody new will win the women's world cup. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, no, so that, that penalty shootout, though, I saw is the most penalties taken in any World Cup, men's or women's, ever, which nice. is just like, it's, it's kind of cool to, yeah. to have seen that, that little bit of history. Um, back to the Hounds match, back to the other goal. Um, I mean, Dequa finished really well, but that goal doesn't happen if it's not for Danny Rivera. I mean, the, the press from a wingback position press the center back, win the ball, and then f- perfectly weighted pass right right to Dequa's feet was just absolutely phenomenal. And um, I guess like for a guy that's been around for five years, um, to see him having that type of impact uh, a few games in a row where he's changing the game, um, just fantastic to see and i mean i love danny he's he's a great guy he's probably one of the most uh outgoing guys on the team that just like uh just i mean he loves interacting with anybody that he can interact with and he just has a blast with it but then to see him also just be excellent on the field not just a great personality off the field is it makes me like the guy even more yeah, no, I'm 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 happy he he gets that moment because I think he is when when he gets a run in the team for a while, um, he I don't know I think he's a he's a player who likes to find his groove and when he does mm-hmm. I think he can have a really big impact. I know he's been kind of hit with injuries over mm-hmm. the over the past couple seasons and that's kind of made everything a little stop and start. But I mean, one of the notes that I wrote down was um, you know we we look particularly threatening along Rivera's side so along mm-hmm. our left um what in the end Mem- uh, uh hartford end up getting six yellow cards and they're all down uh Rivera, mertz and Aubergine jr's mm-hmm. side um and i mean it, it's yeah i mean so that alone i mean think i think they all kind of linked up really well i thought mertz showed a little bit more control on the ball. Um, I think Mertz has gone hiding a little bit over the course of the season. Um, but from from the bit that I saw at the beginning and from the highlights that I caught after, it did seem like he, he had a little bit more control over the midfield. I mean, he takes mm-hmm. the responsibility with the captaincy. Um, and they, they look particularly threatening down down that left side, pulling all those yellow cards. Yeah. No, and and I think for me with, with Mertz, I think the – the best thing about it was he put in a good shift um, while he was on the field. And sure, he wasn't at peak Robbie Mertz. Um, I, I just think like this was one of his better halves that we've seen out of him because he was starting to do some of those things that we saw before he went to Atlanta. 
where he yeah. was just that menacing little midfielder that pops up out of nowhere. And all of a sudden he's on a guy that's six inches taller than him and making that guy turn over the ball. Um, like, let's, just, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, let, let, let's stay on the Mertz thing. This is, this is a good comment. So Mark put in, you know, no way on Mertz. He's been amazing on uh, the, the season. I think the thing with me on Mertz is for a player like him, I don't see him. Um, okay. And then following up with a comment, uh, Mark also puts up, uh, you know, Mertz has been kind of dealing with some injury and has been banged up this year. Um, and yeah, no, fair point. I, I think my thing with Mertz is there are some players that their influence can be had on the team and it doesn't show up on mm -hmm. like the stat sheet. Um, like a Danny Griffin. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although I will say it's funny enough. I think at the beginning <laughs> when he came in, that did not seem that, you know, when he came in at this season and, you know, the first three games, he gets like two big goals and is threatening. He, I keep him at a number 10 and he's great. And then he, he's, he, he drifts further and further back uh, on the field and ends up being his kind of normal kind of destroyer midfielder. But yeah, I agree with you. Generally speaking, Danny Griffin is his influence is not popping up on the stat sheet. For me, Mertz kind of, I don't know, the player that I have of, like the, the player profile that I have of him in my head um, is a player that needs to contribute on the stat sheet. He needs, he's he's good enough to mm -hmm. be getting at least five goals a season. And he's good enough to be getting maybe seven to eight assists a season. And right now he's he's not anywhere near that, and and he's you know so I think that's that's the only reason that's my only critique against Mertz. I think generally he he can he has an impact on games, but I just want to see more of an impact like on you know in the goal aspect mm -hmm. of things. I don't know what you think about that, Steve. But. Well, so now I'm wondering like what has Robbie Mertz done this year? One goal. I'm looking over here. Where where where's the assists? Um, I um, if I was a better of, host, I'd be good at killing uh, time on, yeah, on the air while you uh, that, but I'm not. <laughs> Robbie Mertz has has contributed to one goal that he scored. Yeah. Um, if I'm looking at this right, because I don't see him on the assists. Um, and I remember which, the goal. It was a great goal. Oh, it was a great goal. It was. Yeah. So, but it was also really early in the season, and he yeah. hasn't. Um, that's not to say that he hasn't made an impact offensively. Yeah. or defensively, but he hasn't been getting the stats um, that you would hope from a high energy, high pressing. Uh, I mean, a lot of times he's kind of playing as a more forward or attacking midfielder, maybe a little wide, but he's not the box to box midfielder. He's in the box a lot more. Yeah. Um, you'd expect to see him doing more on the stat sheet. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's his best season um, as Mark said, um, he has been dinged up. Um, you ask me, I think he, he, whether, I don't know whose decision it was. I think he came in a little earlier than he should have, um, after that injury. Um, yeah. and I also just want to say like, I mean, here's a guy that, um, is at a stage of life where, um, right. Like I remember when I was, was that age, mid twenties, right. Like major life change getting married this summer, like trying to balance all of those things is a really different thing. And how do you prioritize those things? Um, I don't know that I'd be good at that at nearly 40, much less in my early twenties when I hadn't 
figured out life like I have now. Right. Like, um, so like, I, I just think it's like, he's got a lot to kind of figure out and, and how do I do well at my job? How do I do well with my family, with my new relationship with my wife, with all of these other things that are going on in my life? Um, okay, that's fine. Like give him some time. Like, yeah. And if by the way, this I continues would... three years down the road yeah. and Robbie Mertz is playing like this as a hound and three years down the road, then I'm going to be disappointed if he's figuring things out, whatever, like, and, and maybe like I, f- that's because we have some depth this year where it's like, if Robbie Mertz is not in the lineup, that's true. I'm not heartbroken because yeah. I'm looking at the lineup and I'm like, I mean, I said to, I, I don't remember who I was talking to in the parking lot, but I said, huh, I think the worst change in there. And I'm not, this isn't a criticism of him, but I think the worst drop off there is Kenny for Robbie. When yeah. you look at the four changes from the week before. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, that's a really good point on the depth uh, argument where this is a season where Mertz doesn't need to shine. And right. so if he's not shining, then it, it can go, it's more palatable. Well, um, when you, when you have because Kenny he's doing those. Too. Yeah. He's, he's able to do some of those things that are not showing up on the stat sheet. Yeah. Um, he's still interrupting players. He's still pressing players, creating turnovers, um, even if he's not doing things offensively. I, lo- I love a midfield of, uh, what was it? Um, Ibarra, Griffin, and, and Mertz. I think I, it's high energy. It's a lot of pressing. And it gives Show mm-hmm. Me and Dequa a platform to go and do the things that they need to do. Um, but well, and, uh, and I think what, what I really like about that, and this is not a negative on other potential options but when you've got langston blackstock as a wing back in there you're really adding a lot of offensive uh capacity from the wing back position right and and it's you're at that point you're you're making the choice between langston rovi and luke biasi and you have to pick two and in this game i mean langston and and rovi were on opposite sides of where you might expect to see them uh, to start. Um, But I think it's just you're putting in a guy that is going to be really forward thinking and adding to that attacking core. And so you've got three guys that could be playing as forwards and three really aggressive, not give anything up, high pressing midfielders in that. And you've still got Danny Rivera on the field that is one of the best defensive players, uh, in a non-center back role that the Hounds have probably had in a long, long time. Griffin is the best number 10 that's a defensive midfielder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I've said this before, right? Like, like the problem for Danny Griffin is playing as that six is not his best position. And there are other defensive midfielders on the team, but he's still the best midfielder overall in the sense that like, he's better as a 10, he's better as an eight. And he's still our best number six. Yeah. I mean, I don't 100% agree, but let's move on. <laughs> but I will say... Maybe... Well, so, so I'll say this. I think that's what Bob Lilly thinks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I agree. I think, I think obviously, look, obviously Lilly puts a ton of trust into Griffin. Griffin, yeah. what, ends last season with the most minutes played, like, a ridiculous... Oh, what, he played, played every minute of, like, the regular season or something. Um, I mean, yeah, the guy doesn't well, I mean, get hurt. He, it hasn't he... been until this season that he hasn't uh, played in or he hasn't like been the guy that's playing 90 minutes pretty much every single game yeah. as a hound. I mean, it, it was what one game where he didn't have much minutes. And that was like the first time it's like, wait, where's Danny Griffin? Yeah. Because 
Yeah, that was the a talking only point time the he podcast, hasn't yeah. been on the field is when he was with uh, shoot, what was the heck of the, the name of that team in? I forget. Man. Alabama, <laughs> Huntsville, forget. Huntsville. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I guess I mean it's, so it to kind of maybe wrap up this Hartford game. I mean, I look, I I didn't think Hartford looked particularly good, but I the, this was more in the context of I. I was impressed at how good we looked given the late start, given the delay. I don't know. I, I think it can't right. really be understated how much that can affect a team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just on a, on a very basic level, just like warm. It, it sounds trivial, but like basic things like warmups, um, let alone mm-hmm. all the kind of mental parts of getting ready for a game and having to wait and then getting warmed up again and having to wait. And um, so I guess it, I can I can kind of expect, especially being the away team in that scenario. Right. It's it's just another layer of difficulty. You're already coming into high mark where we've only lost one game all season. You know, mm-hmm. Hounds are top of the East, and you get this delay. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's the reason why I wasn't that impressed with Harvard. But at, uh, Harvard wasn't well, impressive. And, but and the fact that Harvard Hounds... is not impressive this season overall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. but I think like for me, the more impressive thing is for the Hounds to go out at that point and still execute their game plan, execute it well, because they kicked off at 10.06. If I'm walking out of the press conference at 10.06, I'm a little frustrated because that means that the press conference got started very late. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, like, these guys are are starting the game by the time they're usually finishing their post-match meal. Yeah. Yeah. And And they're still going out and doing everything really well. Right. And, and I mean, going back to, you know, I, I guess I didn't really know what to expect from Hartford too much, you know, being what last in the East, they've won four games all season. Um, but we look good. I mean, you know, we, we kind of, we created a lot of chances. Kizza probably could have had mm-hmm. like a freaking hat trick <laughs> after coming on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, in the end um, we, you know, huge turning point um for us when we uh geez now it's off the top when we played um memphis um what we we two games two game losing streak where we let up six goals uh we go into memphis memphis go up early against us we end up winning the game four two and then all of a sudden we get two shutouts in a row we're uh top of the east um a couple points clear uh let's look at the let's look at the standings now um, thank you, Mike, for preparing this. Um, Eastern Conference standing. Uh, yep, we're we're at the top. Twenty-five games played, forty-seven points, um, three wins in our last three games. Uh, right behind us, Charleston, also on twenty-five games played. Uh, they are four points back from us, so we're we're kind of healthily clear from Charleston, as much as you could hope for a first and second kind of you know tight Eastern Conference. Um, and then Tampa, uh, right behind us, uh, right behind Charleston in third place. They have two games in hand on us. They've only played 23, um, but and they're sitting on 41 points. So in theory, if they win their games in hand, then all of a sudden they're tied with us on 47 points. Um, and uh, But we do have a game uh, playing Tampa. We, so we have nine games left this season. Uh, six of them are away, one of them being Tampa. Um, Steve, we can talk about that a little bit once we're getting, once we take this graphic off the screen, (laughs) but, but yeah, I mean, so this is kind of how the East is shaping up after Tampa. You look at Memphis, um, Memphis and Louisville are both on 37. 
and then if you uh, at at uh, fourth and fifth, if you go down to um, the kind of playoff cutoff, um, both uh, Birmingham and Tulsa are on thirty points and twenty nine points respectively, and then Miami are just below the the drop zone at twenty six points and Loudon beneath them at twenty four. So, I mean, I don't know, Steve. Is, I this is about as good as we can hope for, I would imagine, with nine games to go. Uh, you know, we 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 it looks like we hit a rough patch, you know, five games ago or so. Mm-hmm. Turn turn that around pretty quickly, and all of a sudden it's uh full steam ahead going towards the uh run into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I I think sure, I, I am gonna take points on the board over games in hand every single time. Um and I'm going to take that more when I start looking at Tampa's schedule and see yeah. before we play them again, um, uh, it's not like they have necessarily the easiest schedule. Um, do I expect them to beat Tulsa um, on Friday? Uh, probably. Next Saturday, they've got Miami. Um, you know, that's a in-state derby. Like, that's a game that's going to be a little tougher, I think. I think they win it, but... It's not guaranteed. Um, they still have to play Memphis. They have to play Louisville home and away. Yeah. Uh, and and they have to play that away game, the last game of the season, right? Yeah. They've also got to play San Antonio, who is doing really, really well. They also uh, got to play us. <laughs> right, right. So it's like, it's not that their schedule is super easy. And, and if I'm looking at it, it's, I mean, in my mind, what other hard games the hounds have i think the game we'll talk about on wednesday i think the away game to san antonio is going to be a challenge maybe new mexico maybe not they're not what they used to be but every once in a while they can pull it out i i I mean i look at we have three hard games i look at them they got five or six really hard games left yeah no i'm 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 right there with you um a lot of yeah, and a lot of our. I mean, it's, I think that the the degree of difficulty uh, for our schedule is that we have six away games in the mm-hmm. last nine. And, um, and in those six away games, we travel to three teams that are going to be very good teams. Yes, but I would say the other group of teams are not great. <laughs> I mean, you have you have Tampa away, but then you have a, a handful of games against teams at the bottom of the East. Right. Um, which, I mean, comparatively, like, you know, you ran through Tampa's schedule there. I don't know. I, I'd take our schedule over Tampa's, which is... Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we've got Hartford, we've got Loudoun, Miami, New Mexico, Tulsa, and Detroit as the other teams, right? Like, yeah. speaking, not speaking intimidated of, by any of those. Right. Speaking of games coming up, um, so here here are our next three games. Um, so midweek game in just two days' time, depending on when you're listening to this, um, it, we uh, go away to Orange County, um, and then no game on the weekend. Uh, That's really but, weird. Yeah, it is weird. Uh, <laughs> so we have a game on Wednesday, August 16th, and then another game on Wednesday, August 23rd, uh, going back um, playing playing Hartford and playing in Hartford. Um, and then we uh, round out the stretch of away games for uh, going to San Antonio on Saturday, August 26th. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't look great. <laughs> um, Hartford looks okay, uh, obviously, but three away games, two of them, you're traveling pretty decent, decent distances. 
I over kind of, I always overweight that influence, I think probably a little too much, but uh, I don't know, that's a factor when you're traveling across the country for a game. Um, so, but let's focus on this game in two days time, uh, Steve or Orange County. Uh, they, what, they're fifth in the West. Um, mm -hmm. They look a decent side. Uh, you know, what I, I think earlier today, the numbers I remember is, what they've won 10 and lost nine I've and then throw in some draws in there. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, winning about as much as they're losing. Um, I don't know how good they look at home. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know too much other than that, but I don't know, Steve, what are you, what are your thoughts on this midweek of this or Orange um, County? I mean, from, from the little bit I've read, Orange County seems to be a team that is playing really well recently. Um, uh, they're on a four-game win streak, um, having beat uh, San Diego away, uh, New Mexico at home, Memphis in a three-to-four win away, Loudoun in a one-to-three win away, um, and losing previously to that to uh, uh, Rio Grande Valley Toros 2-0 um, um, away. Um, so, I mean, they're winning on the road. Um, that's a good sign for a team uh, in the USL. Um, they're a quality team, I think, at this point. They're, they're figuring out how to make up for... I, I, I think where they're standing is a lot to do with... I don't understand everything that was going on, but there was a lot of turmoil, some issues early in the season with their front office and maybe coaching staff. I'd have to go back and read it. I just remember they were, they were in rough shape and that was present on the field. Yeah. Um, uh, and they've been a lot better since then. Um, but well, I, I have... don't think I care. Right. <laughs> and I, and, and, because I don't you're, think I you're care saying, about you're... anybody anymore. You're saying that in the context of how good we are, is what you're yes, saying, right? Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. right? It's like, sure, we play them, and then a week and a half later, we play San Antonio, who is second in the West, and then the second to last game, we play Tampa Bay. Okay, it's the Hounds game to lose, not the other team's game to win. Pretty confident. I like it. This is um, a good team. Yeah, no, <laughs> it is a good team. It's a good team. Deco has found his form again. I think um, mm -hmm. he he looks good defensively. We've kind of turned it around. I'm 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 with you on that. Before uh, stepping away from the OC game, uh, real quick, uh, Mike has kindly laid out some more kind of bullet points to go mm -hmm. over. So, and Steve, you might have already touched on a couple of these, but Orange County have played two less games than us, but have let in eleven more goals. Um, we've uh, Mike says we've somehow committed almost 100 more fouls than they have, but they have 20 more yellow cards than us this season. So, you know, when they're, when they're going in, they're going in hard maybe is the, uh, is the takeaway from that. Um, no former hounds on this team. Uh, they did not play, uh, this past weekend. Um, so they have a bit more of a rest than we do. Uh, their last match was against San Diego, Steve, that you already mentioned, mm -hmm. um, which they won three to one, which you already also mentioned. Um, so, um, I'll pull our next three games back up on the, on the screen too. Um, so just to reiterate, uh, away at Orange County on Wednesday, away at Hartford a week later, and then away at San Antonio, uh, I'll, I'm going to get a, a big batch of kind of predictions from you, Steve. Uh, what do you, how do you think these next three games go? I mean, you showed some confidence in saying, don't really care who we're playing is a good team. 
Um, but uh, I don't know. What do you think over these next three games? Part of me wants to say nine points. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> I don't think that's what actually happens. I think it's possible. Um, yeah. I, I, I think the Orange County game is the one that uh, is the most uh, likely to result in a draw at this point. Um, and I could see it being a 10-0-0 or 1-1 uh, affair. Um, I think we go into San Antonio with something to prove that we're still wanting to be the best team in the league. Um, uh, after having a full week's rest, I think we'll see a lot of rotation, but still uh, a 2-0 win in Hartford. Yeah. Um, and, and then a full strength, Bob is picking from... 11 of his top 14 choices to field the lineup in San Antonio um, because of the rest in Hartford. And that goes a long way. Um, whereas I don't think he has that option for Orange County. I think that's the difference in those two games. Yeah. So you're going with nine points? I'm going with seven points. Seven points? Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I would be thrilled with five. Um, I, I, think, I, I think you're right. I mean, Hartford didn't. I understand the context around the game with the rain delay and everything, but Hart and, you know, I mean, Hartford bottom of these for a reason. And they kind of looked at um, in the game on the weekend. Um, I would, as much as you can predict anything in sport, you know, this, this looks like a pretty good win for, for the hounds. And then I think if you're picking up two draws away at West coast teams, um, I'm always happy with that. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say always, but most of the time I'm, I'm happy with that. And I think, that would still keep us pretty comfortably clear at the top mm -hmm. of the, um, I don't, you know, even if, um, you know, even if Tampa go on a run, even if Charleston go on a run, I think if we pick up five points in the next three games, which I think is the position we want to be in, you know, six games left, one of them being Tampa, with mm -hmm. games, you know, on, on the books. So, you know, I'm going five points and I'm, I'm, I'd be thrilled with that. Um, well, I guess, I, go ahead. And I, I guess the only thing I look at is, is I look back at the, uh, the Hartford match page and I look at who started this game on the bench that I expect to see starting on, on Wednesday. And you've got, Kenny, Luke Diazzi, you've got Joe Farrell, you've got junior Etu, you've got Kenny Forbes, you've got Tola Shurumi, right? Like, Five guys right there. And you still also got Eddie Kizza. Yeah. Um, I don't expect to see him starting, but it's like you've got five guys that if you had told me those guys are not starting when they're available for the Hounds and healthy, what? It's a good place to be in, yeah. Right? Like, Do you think, do you think all of them come in, all those names that you just kind of the, went off? The only one I wonder about is Etu. I mean, he played 45 minutes this weekend. Um, but that's coming off of a pretty severe, I think it was a sprain. Um, uh, and so I just, I wonder about his fitness. How long can he go? Is he right. going to be after playing 45 minutes? Is he going to be fit to play 70, 80, 90 minutes on Wednesday? I doubt it. Does he have a chance to start? I think so. Um, yeah, he, he could, he could start and then be first sub or but, something. Maybe. But I'm also wondering is who does he start in place of? Because I think Kenny comes in where uh, Robbie was. Yeah. And is Bob Lilly going to sacrifice Mark Yabara or Danny Griffin at this point? Unless he thinks they really need the rest. I don't think he will. Do you think Ibarra is that 
central lately. Look, I, do I, I think Mark Ybarra is uh, that important to the Riverhounds? No. Do I think Bob Lilly thinks that? Without a doubt, yeah. Bob Lilly. Like, like, if I've ever seen Bob Lilly, like, talk about a player in a way that I'm just like, what are you seeing that I'm not? It's Mark Ybarra. I, I think Ibarra has come on leaps and bounds in this season. Oh, he has, yeah, but I like still it. don't think he he is the guy that should yeah. be always starting. But over Steve, have you didn't options. you see his hair? Come on, it looks yeah. <laughs> looks great. <laughs> I'm not, I I'm not a fan. <laughs> but yeah, but I, think so, I, I think I said this after because I think I was on the podcast afterwards that apparently Trevor's wet sleut was the one that uh, that dyed his hair that color, and I don't know who made the choice, whether that was Mark's decision or Trevor's decision, but Hey, you know what? I love it. I love that. That's the dynamic that that these guys are are hanging out, dying each other's hair. Yeah. Midweek. Right on. No, I I, I totally. If that's not camaraderie, what is? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I I think a bar probably is the one that if, if Etu comes in for anyone, I think it's, it is probably a bar just Mm -hmm. because, yeah, I mean, Griffin is the biggest, you know, engine marathon runner that we have. And, you know, if there is probably anyone who Lily trusts more than a bar, it's probably Griffin. Um, so, um, so Kev, we've been talking for like 53 minutes. We should wrap this up. (laughs) Yes, I agree. Yes, pick them. I that's I before we go, I have to I have to throw this up. I, I didn't even know this. Mike is apparently ahead. I I am suspicious of, of that, but right now Mike leads the uh, Leaderboard 24. Yeah, the guy that does the graphics is all yeah. of a sudden way ahead. Suspicious. Um uh but Mike can't win it um because he's part of the Mongols crew. So uh, Michael Finn is currently leading the non-Mongols crew and is eligible uh, to win the entire competition. Uh, Michael Finn sitting on 23 points. Uh, Laura Ellen's next with 22. Keaton Liebengood is at 21 points. I'm sitting at 20. And Devin Pale is sitting at 18 points. Um, so nine games left. Still got still got space. Still got time. Yeah. <laughs> to catch up can, can, can you throw mike's comment up there oh i just saw uh don't uh mike says don't be suspicious i'm better than you well i mike, i, I, I want to qualify that that okay mike you can make that claim about about kevin because he is one of the monday night people and i just rotate in i just don't actually remember to fill it out on youtube on the nights that i'm not on the podcast so my chances to get it right are much more limited and we haven't recorded the past couple of times, and I forgot to put it in. <laughs> so, so, Mike, I think, uh, you know, you're uh, you're getting away with something here. Um, but, uh, all right. So, that's it. I mean, so, I mean, but we're, so to kind of wrap this up, we have, you know, I've repeated it now a couple of times. I, to me, no, we are definitely now in the run-in. Um, we're, we have nine games left before a playoff uh, scenario. Um, I think all of us at this stage, I, I think we've been the best team in the East over the course of the season. Um, it would be a bit of a tragedy if we don't finish first in the East and, and kind of prove it. Um, so it's a big nine games. Uh, we'll see what the Hounds are made of. I think, you know, we're coming in fairly healthy, not a ton of injuries. Um, mm-hmm. And it all starts midweek against, yeah. against Orange County. So, so uh, I mean, did you, I don't, I'm trying to remember. Did you give a specific score prediction for Orange County? 
No, um, let's say I'm gonna say do 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 do. Hmm. Oh man, I don't like this. Uh, you I'll said five points out of a possible nine. Yes, and I'm I'm comfortable with that. But now it's just it's it's picking the draw. I think it's gonna be a draw. Um, I'm bouncing between nil nil and one one. Um, so I'm, I'm going. Gonna, I'm going with one one for the record. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, the. It's probably going to be the most popular draw score. So I'll try to buck the trend a little bit here and go nil nil. Okay. Um, and then we should have a podcast in between now and then to. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, Steve, because you forget, you can get in your prediction now if you want. Oh no 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 no! no the nights that I'm on the podcast, I put it in the Mongol Slack channel oh, nice. so that Mike has all of the ones that. That that's what we did. So he doesn't have to go back and listen and figure it out. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, Steve. Well, uh, right. thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, dealing with my uh, hosting uh, capabilities. I mean, fun. the Kevin Steve show is a great, great time. Good show. You know, yeah. out of all of the uh, spinoff shows, yeah. Kev Steve show. Yeah. It's it's definitely the most popular. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, because we record on Monday nights. <laughs> <laughs> People log on and they see us and they're like, ah, crap, it's these two jerks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and you know, it comes it comes down to like, I don't know, uh, outros. All right, uh, follow, <laughs> go over to bgn.fm. Sincerely, there's a lot of really good writing and stuff mm -hmm. happening at bgn.fm. I'm kind of amazed at the growth that that place is, has had mm -hmm. and, and all the contributions and, and people writing about um, soccer in the US. Um, watch the Women's World Cup uh follow the hounds and uh yeah yeah Mongols next week on some other social media yeah. places Mongols wherever stuff. i don't know exit tweet it whatever <laughs> um youtube it so uh yeah let's wrap this up uh we'll catch everyone next week uh thanks everybody we'll talk to you very very soon see you later